Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. We, we're supposed to have freedom in the house of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles and will turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Amen. Beginning at verse number 25. We're going to read uh, several verses of scripture here. Amen. I, I want to today uh, share with you something that I believe from time to time we need to be reminded of. One is that nothing is impossible with God. And two, God's only limitations are our limitations, our restrictions. Uh, the Bible, he declared, he said, I would, but who would let me? Amen. And so I want to let him today. And I want, I want to let him in that most restrictive part of my life. I want to let God be God. Amen. Verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood. Everybody say an issue of blood. 12 years. Say 12 years. That's a long time to have an issue. That's a long time to be sick. I mean, we're not talking about a flu. We're not talking about having, you know, allergies, seasonal allergies. We're talking about 12 years of every day there was a debilitating sickness in her life. Verse 26 says, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Everybody say it got worse. You ever been there? You ever went to a doctor and it got worse? You thought, you know, thought that medicine was going to work and it didn't help it and it made it worse. This is where she was. Verse 27. Amen. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Amen. Well, I wonder what would happen if we came to church with that kind of faith. Every service. If I can just but touch Jesus, I know I'll be made whole. I want you to know you can be made whole this morning. Amen? Amen. Verse 29, in straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said who touched my clothes the disciples said unto him thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me touch of sarcasm in that statement what do you mean there's thousands of people touching you what do you mean who touched you verse 32 and he looked around, he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came 
and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Everybody say all the truth. Not just the truth that makes you look good. Not just the truth that makes them look bad. But all the truth. Amen. You know, there's three sides to every story, right? What she said happened, what he said happened, and then there's what really happened. She told all the truth to Jesus. And then verse 34, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Amen. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning for just a little while on this thought. When failure forgets. When failure forgets. Because that's what I want to preach to in you this morning. Is that part of us that holds on and says, I know God is able, but what about my failure? What about the disappointments of my life? that I still have. Well, I'm going to preach for your failure to get amnesia this morning. I'm going to pray for your failure to have a bad case of dementia this morning because I want your failure to totally forget any time you feel you have been wronged or failed by God to lift up hands today and say, I believe today that nothing is impossible with God. He can heal my sickness. He can fix my issues before I leave this place today. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the power and the promise of your word. I pray that you would speak through me today as a vessel. I pray that you would speak to this holy congregation today. I pray that somebody's faith would be lifted and encouraged and strengthened by the power of your spirit because we can't do it by our own talent. We can't do it by our own might. Lord, I pray that you would flow into this house, God, and that healing virtue would go forth both spiritually and physically in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. And would you just give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them I'm praying for you. Tell them I'm praying your failure will forget. And you can be seated. Every one of us at one time or another in our life has faced the harsh reality of failure. In other words, we have all failed at some point in our life. I want to also say this, that failure does not make one a failure. Because you have failed does not mean you are a failure. It just means you have failed somewhere in your life. Amen. Whether it's your first step as a child or your first attempt to drive a vehicle or something that you continually have problems with, such as, as uh, making new friends or getting along with people at, at your job, balancing a checkbook, changing a tire, whatever it is that you may have continually in your life, amen, every one of us has faced failure in our life without exception. Nobody in this room is exempt from failure. An old quote says, 
if you've ever stubbed your toe, if you've never stubbed your toe, you're probably standing still. If you've never stubbed your toe, you are probably standing still. In other words, you are not moving. You're not trying. You're not making an effort if you have not stubbed your toe. Amen. Stubbing your toe is a part of walking. Amen. Stubbing your toe, it, it, tells, it tells you and it tells me and everybody else around you that you were not idle. Amen. But how ridiculous would it be for a fear of stubbing our toe to never leave the bed? To never get off the couch. To never leave the recliner because you are afraid of stubbing your It's all part of the journey. Spiritually speaking, however, perhaps you struggle with failing on a consistent basis. Maybe you have failed so many times that you have lost count. And I realize that there is a multitude of books and quotations and and self-help gurus that I can quote, that I could talk to you about, amen, about overcoming adversity and failure, amen. But I, I want to go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say about failure in our life. For after all, amen, it's the Word of God that brings life and revelation. And I, I want to see what, through the Word of God, what would happen to us if failure in our life would forget I want you to think about Jesus on his way on this particular day when he arrives into, uh, into the dockyard and the boat pulls up alongside the, do the, 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 the dock and they're tying off the boat. And a man runs to Jesus, a very important man, a very powerful man, a very religious man, a very wealthy man by the name of Jairus. And Jairus sees Jesus. He is one of these who has opposed the ministry of Jesus. No doubt he himself has, has cast doubt upon the legitimacy of his messianic prophecies coming to pass. And yet he has a need in his home. And it, it sure is amazing um, how, how little prejudice you have in you when you have a need. It, it's absolutely amazing the things you're, you're willing to put up with and tolerate when you desperately have a need in your life. Amen. And so this, this man had a need in his life. You see, his 12-year-old daughter was dying in a sick room, and there was no physician that could help her. All the prayers of the Torah was not helping her. The quoting of Holy Scripture was not helping her. The burning of incense and, and the different uh, rudimentaries of holistic medicine was not helping her. Nothing was helping her. She was 12 years old and very precious in the sight of her father. And she lay dying. And he comes to Jesus and he compels him and says, you must come to my house. My, my daughter, she is only 12 years of age. She's just a child. And she's at home right now and she is, she is on her deathbed. If you don't intervene in this situation, the doctors have already told me to buy a plot of land and to bury this little girl because she's not coming up out of that sick bed. Jesus moved with the faith and the compassion Amen. And, and the, the great lengths of this man, he steps out of the boat 
and he begins to make his way to the house of Jarius. And we don't know how far that Jarius lived from the coast. We don't know how, how, how many blocks or miles he lived uh, from where the boat was, but we definitely know that it was some distance because as Jesus walked, the crowds began to throng him. They began to say, this is Jesus of Nazareth. This is the one that has healed blinded eyes. This is the one who has fed multitudes. This is the one, amen, that has walked on water. And they began to proclaim his exploits. And as they proclaimed his exploits through testimony and firsthand account and secondhand account and thirdhand account, all of a sudden a noise began to go through the city that Jesus of Nazareth is walking through our city. And, 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 this Jesus can perform miracles and this Jesus, some say, is the Son of God. This Jesus, uh, some declare that he is the Messiah, but no matter what people say about him, I want you to know I saw firsthand, amen, when he healed lepers of their leprosy. I, I saw it with my own two eyes uh, when he stopped the funeral procession and raised up a widow's son. I, I, my, my, my grandma told me that she was at a wedding and all of a sudden water began to turn into wine. Amen. My great aunt's cousin's nephew's niece, third removed. Uh, uh, third cousin to the on the backside of the cul-de-sac in the neighborhood said that Jesus fed 5,000 and they came home with leftovers. Uh, amen. I, you, this Jesus, there was a blind man by the name of, of Bartimaeus. Y'all remember Bartimaeus? He was blind. Well, he ain't blind no more because this man Jesus uh, just spoke the word and he was healed. Uh, and as that began to be noised abroad, this there was no newspaper, there was no social media, there was no radio, no television, amen there was no broadcasting but the word of mouth, amen and people turned up because people had a need, amen one portion of scripture says that when Jesus saw the multitudes that he was moved with compassion and he healed all of their sick and as the multitude begins to move in, they begin to throng him all of a sudden the twelve disciples go from being just followers now to being security guards they're trying to keep the press of people off of the top of Jesus. They realize that everybody wants a piece of him, that, that everybody's trying to get his attention. I can, I can see fathers as they are dangling the limp bodies of sick and children over the top of other heads. I can see mothers as they're dragging behind them a child or maybe a husband or a parent on a blanket dragging behind them on the ground screaming to get the attention of Jesus. Jesus all the while. I can see the Pharisee by the name of Jairus as he has his hand on the collar of Jesus and he's trying to lead him through the throng of people and he's trying to lead him through because this man has an urgent need in his life. His little girl is dying and what we don't need now is a traffic jam. My little girl is dying and what we don't need now is a standstill on Interstate 80. I've got to get this man to my house or my little girl's going to die. They're pressed in. I can almost see the sweating and, and panicked face of Jairus. Amen. As tears and sweat run together and begin to soak the collar of his expensive garments, the oils and the perfumes placed upon his head and his face now begin to roll down his neck as he is trying to lead Jesus through the hundreds and even thousands of people that are trying to get a hold of him. Amen. He is trying his 
his best to get Jesus to his house because in his house there is a need and there is only one that Jarius believes can meet that need. I want to tell you something this morning. You got to get some kind of a faith in you that says if I could but just get Jesus up in the middle of my situation, if I can just but get Jesus to move in the middle of my house, in the middle of my job, in the middle of my situation, Hey man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I say this with all due respect, but some of y'all, you need to horse collar Jesus and say, come on, I need you to get to my house. I got a child that needs to be saved. I got a spouse that needs to be delivered. I've got a school that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's a sickness in my family. There's a disease in my body. Jesus, you gotta get up. You gotta come to my house. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He was on his way, amen, to take care of this little girl. Amen, he was on his way to heal this little girl. Amen, the Bible said that many people followed Jesus and they thronged him. The word throng in the Greek means to press. It means to cover like a blanket. One translation of its most primitive root, it, it means to smother, to completely cover. They were literally pressed up against Jesus so much, amen, that it was actually it was actually mothering him they were pressed I can see the disciples trying to shove people back as they're trying to move and a desperate father is holding on to the collar of Jesus and he's pulling him and he's saying my God just move people move he's screaming get out of the way my little girl's dying I've got to get him to my little girl she's dying I can see this panicked father amen I can see him pulling Jesus and trying to get through the crowd amen I can see the criticism that we can level at this father as he uses his elbow to shove people back. A man that is of the books. A man that is of the law who had never really had, had much physical exertion or exercise. It's now trying to shove people back like an offensive lineman on an NFL team. He's trying to push them backwards because you've got to understand his daughter is laying there dying and the only hope for his child is this man. I've seen parents do desperate things when it came to the survival of their children. I've seen parents take drastic measures when it came to the survival of their children. I want you to imagine that you're Jairus and you got Jesus by the collar and you're trying to get him through the crowd. You're not saying excuse me. You're not saying pardon me. You're screaming to the top of your lungs. Get out of the way. My little girl's dying. I don't care about your tumor. I don't care about your sickness. I don't care about your muteness or your, your deafness. I don't care about any of that issue in your life. My little girl's tired and I've got to get to Jesus. But little did Jarius know that there was a little woman in that crowd that day who had put up with about all she was going to put up with. She had taken a back seat to physicians long enough. For 12 years, she was dying of a disease, a miserable, heinous disease. 
and she realized that this was going to be her only opportunity in her life that she might be healed. Amen. And she begins to press her way into the crowd that day. Amen. She, for the first time in 12 years, began to face the public. Amen. She, for the first time in 12 years, had to make a decision. Am I going to get out of my house where I'm comfortable laying here dying? Or am I going to press my way through the crowd even against the law of Moses and am I going to go out there and am I going to get a hold of Jesus and get his attention today one of the most difficult battles for us to do is to face, face down those who we have failed the most but this woman says amen I failed society and physicians have failed me and my body's failed me but I am not going to let this keep me from the presence of Jesus. You may have come with failures this morning. You may have come with failures in your life, in your walk with God. You may come with failures in your mind and in your spirit, but you better make up in your mind this morning if I'm ever going to get to Jesus. i got to come to Jesus failures and all. I've got to come to Jesus scars and all. I've got to come to Jesus no matter what. Bible says this woman had an issue an issue of blood oh this woman definitely had issues issue seems to be one of the catch words of our days of the day we live in when we would say somebody's got problems though they got issues they got issues the word of God was 2,000 years ahead of its time being trendy because she had issues to say she had issues would be an understatement as a matter of fact anybody that comes to Jesus has got issues Amen. Some of us got, some, some got an issue and some's got issues. This woman had more than one issue, but the main issue was the thing that was about to take her life. She had an issue, and it doesn't matter what you call your issue. Problems are still problems. And failure is still failure. She was unclean by the law of Moses, by the word of God. And if you've studied the law of God in Leviticus, this woman was considered unclean, impure, unholy. All the days of this issue that she had in her life, she was not allowed to go into public. She was not allowed in the congregation. She was not allowed to go to the temple. She was not allowed to go to the market. She was not allowed to see her family. For 12 long years, this woman had been separated from everything close to her trying desperately to find a cure for her life. She was unable to come in contact with anything or anyone for that anything that she touched, anything she sat on, anything that she laid on became polluted because of her issue in her life. I'm preaching to somebody this morning who has an issue in your life and it seems like whatever you touch becomes an issue. Everywhere you sit, it becomes an issue. Friends you have, it becomes an issue. Listen to me. I don't want you to get offended. I want you to get over it today. Amen. Because if you've got an issue in your life, amen, it's easily able to transmit that issue into somebody else's life. And let me say this. Some of y'all are connected with people with issues. And their issues are being transmitted into you. And I'm not talking about issues where I'm going to try to help them. I'm talking about somebody that's always talking 
talking bad. Somebody that's always talking negative. Somebody that's always got something bad to say about God. Always got something bad to say about the church. Always got something bad to say about the Bible. Always got something bad. See, what you don't understand is they got an issue. I said, they got issues. And you better be very careful that their issue don't become your issue. I said, you got to be careful that their issue don't become your issue. Amen. Amen. Some people's battles that they continually fight is because they don't know how to live in peace. They, they can't survive in peace. They only find prosperity in conflict. They they don't feel that they have any worth or value unless they're fighting with someone or what they suppose to be something. So they're always going to make something an issue. They're always fighting something. Oh, Pastor, pray for me. You've been fighting that blasted thing for nine years. One of two things. One, either you don't know how to fight, or two, you're fighting a battle God never intended you to fight. Amen. We, we, we learned a very, a, very, a very dangerous thing that, that, that we're still living with today, and I'll prove this in, a, in a, uh, a natural and carnal sense that you can see it in the spiritual sense. We learned in the 1940s that war could bring us out of a depression. And then we've been in conflict ever since then. You look at pre-World War II America to post-World War, we have fought more wars since the 40s than we have in our history before that. You want to know why? Because politicians, all of them, without I don't care what their initial is beside their name, they have all learned there's money in conflict. There's money in conflict. They love conflict. They don't want world peace. They'll go broke if there's world peace. Raytheon and, and all of these other uh, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, all of these companies out there, they, they would, they, if the world found peace tomorrow, they'd be bankrupt before the sunset. They, they, they got to they gotta make them weapons and they got to sell them. They, they give them to our enemies. Because we have found, we have found that there is prosperity in conflict. Watch out for people that live with that philosophy. That there's prosperity in their conflict. They're always trying to raise up to be a crusader to every cause they come in contact with. You, you got to rise up and say, look, I don't want your issues. I got enough issues of my own. I'm going to be like Nehemiah. I'm going to build something. I'm going to build something with one hand and I'll hold a sword in the other hand. I'll fight you if I have to, but I'd much rather focus on building something. 
Nehemiah said, we ain't coming off this wall. We're doing a good work. If I've got to fight, I'll fight. But right now, I'm busy building something. Listen to me. Some of you need to learn to put the sword back in the sheath. You ain't got to get into every groomer. You ain't got to get into every gossip. You ain't got to get into everybody's problems. You put that sword up and grab yourself a trowel and a brick and some mortar and you start building something because you can build something for your family. You can build something for the kingdom of God and it will last. Hallelujah. I learned a long time ago. Amen. I don't got to be the bride at every wedding. I don't got to be the captain on every battlefield. Amen. I'm not going to fight somebody else's issues that I'm not. This ain't in my notes, but I'm telling somebody something right now. Amen. Those people that are always trying to pull you into conflict, you need to learn how to say, God bless you, and I'm going to pray for you at a distance, but as for me and my sanity and my spiritual walk, and as for me moving forward, I want to build something, not tear stuff down. I want to build something. I want to build up people, not tear down people. I want to bless people, not curse people. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Well, well, since I've already stepped in it, let me keep walking in a little bit. Because the church world is so messed up right now. We, we, We don't even pray biblically. Amen. We, we, we have people, amen, amen, when, when uh, the last guy was president, man, they were praying for him every day, oh, God, yes, and then the new one comes in, and they hate him, and so they're praying against him, or they want it. The Bible said we're supposed to pray for everybody, especially those that are in leadership. Well, he ain't my guy, so I ain't going to pray for him. Well, then, then we're wrong, because he didn't qualify that. He didn't qualify that and say, well, if you agree with him, pray for him. He said, pray for them all. Pray for them all. Pray for them all. Amen. There, there is such a bitter negativity that is running through our nation right now and through our world right now, and I'm not going to get into it, but, but, but to simply say this right here, if the people of God would focus upon the work of God, we wouldn't have time. I've got my opinions and you can have your opinion but I'm telling you we need to pray that God get a hold of our nation get a hold of our president, vice president senate leader, congressional leader get a hold of our governor uh, our lieutenant governor, our attorney general over our mayor, our city council Lord knows we need to move on our school boards we need to pray that God would move upon what I'm trying to say is this it's okay to be aware of things but as for me I want to build something I want to see God raise up the greatest church that this nation has ever seen. I want to see first church campuses rise amen to international revival and harvest level as I believe that we are setting the pace, setting the trend, being a catalyst for end time revival and the only way I can do that is start reaching sinners, start loving backsliders, start reaching the lost. You just got to be careful that their issue don't become your issue. Look at somebody and tell them, I love you, but I can't have your issues. I got enough of my own issues. She was unable to contact anybody. She couldn't contact anybody. Anybody she contacted with, she polluted them. 
You see, sin has a way of doing the very same thing. Sin in its very nature does the very same thing spiritually because it is unclean. It is impure, unable to be cleansed by anything that we come in contact with. We are alienated from those around us and from the very presence of God because of the uncleanliness of our spirit. What's a societal failure this woman had become in her lifetime? The Bible said she had, quote, suffered many things because many things of many physicians. Undoubtedly traveling from doctor to doctor, this woman's story became widely known. Hence, her issue was known to everybody around her. Nothing could help her. Her only recourse after spending all that she had was simply to accept the fact that she was doomed to die in a state of uncleanliness. What a physical failure this woman had become to that society because she had spent all. Not only is she not getting any better, but now she is out of options. No doctor is going to see her. Healthcare coverage has now been denied. She is out of money. Her reputation is widespread. She was known as incurable, broke and unclean. What a financial ruin she had become now. But when failure forgets all of these things, I said when failure forgets all of those things, all of a sudden everything begins to change. Because when failure forgets where it's been and failure forgets what it's done, then all of a sudden there is hope and there is opportunity. Someone once said failure is an innovation to have recourse to God. Failure is an innovation to have recourse to God. You see, things start happening when failure forgets. When failure forgets, you get up again. When failure forgets, you try again. When failure forgets, you look in a new direction for the solution to your problem. When failure forgets, you start trying to get Jesus. When failure forgets, you start loving people again. When failure forgets, you start getting involved again. When failure forgets, amen, you start trusting and believing again. When failure forgets, you find yourself being a worshiper again. When failure forgets, you find yourself in a prayer closet that's effective. When failure forgets, you find yourself in the flow of God's blessing. When failure forgets, all of a sudden you get up off of your sick bed and you start making your way to hope. When failure forgets, when failure, some of you need to make your failure forget. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hey, man, you prayed for a healing and you haven't gotten it yet. You need to make that failure. Forget that right now. You prayed for God to save them and they still ain't saved. You better let failure forget. You've reached for them and they pushed you away. You better let failure forget. Don't you let failure scar your opportunity to reach out again because when failure forgets, opportunity begins. What happened in this woman's life when when failure forgot? What happened to this woman when failure forgot? Well, when failure forgot uh, that she was unclean, she broke tradition and she touched the purity of God. I said when failure forgot, 
She broke the tradition and the law. And an unclean, impure woman touched the cleanliness and the purity of Almighty God. Because when she touched Jesus, Jesus didn't say, I felt a trembling hand. He said, virtue has gone out of me. Purity has gone out of me. Healing has flowed out of me. Cleanliness has flowed out of me. When failure forgets, you won't let the opinion of others keep you back. You see, when her failure forgot, amen, she forgot that she was an outcast from society and she pushed her way through the crowd that knew her past. When failure forgot that she tried everything yet nothing had worked, amen, she reached out again and she found the answer. When failure forgot that she was in financial ruin, that she had nothing with which to buy her healing, she found her healing in the hem of his garment. Oh, I feel God moving in this place right now. If I could, come on, Simon. If I could ever get your eyes off the waves and get your eyes back on Jesus again. Remember, Peter, you walked from the boat on the water. I know you're sinking now, but you've got to let failure forget. You've got to reach up to the reaching down hand of Jesus and say, I can't let failure drown me. I can't let failure keep me sick. I can't let failure keep me bound. I'm going to cause failure to forget. She pressed her way in. She could give a flying rip about anybody else. And she pushed her way in. Weakened, emaciated, pale. Amen. Trembling. Because her weak, emaciated body didn't have the strength to push. And yet she pushed on anyway. Amen. I've heard it preached a hundred different ways how she pressed to that crowd. And maybe they're all true. Amen. Maybe she did bite people's ankles. Maybe she did pull people's hair out of their head. Maybe she did slap somebody with a cat. I don't know but I know this. She realized she was not going to let people keep her from Jesus. You better hear me. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach it right now. She said, I'm not going to let people keep me from, in other words, I ain't going to let people with issues keep me and my issues from getting this situation resolved. I know too many people. Hey man, I don't know which camera I'm on, but I know too many people that are at home right now who listen to this podcast later and you don't want to come to church because church hurts you or a preacher somewhere else hurts you. Can I tell you I am sorry that happened to you, but you're going to die in the condition you're in unless you're willing to push past other people's issues to get to Jesus. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There ain't a perfect church and there ain't a perfect preacher. There ain't a perfect leadership staff, although I think they're as close as you can get. Amen. There's not a perfect minister. There's not a perfect pastor. There's not a perfect church. And if you find one, by all means, don't ever show up because you'll wreck it. Amen. But here's the truth, that everybody's got issues and everybody's got problems. You just got to make up your mind. My failure's going to forget. 
Yeah, people have hurt me, but I'm not going to let it keep me from Jesus. Yes, I've been offended, but I'm not going to let it keep me from Jesus. Yes, they got issues, but I'm not going to let it keep me from Jesus. Oh, somebody go ahead and shout if you believe it. Failures got to forget. I said failures got to forget. Failures got to forget. And this victim loving mindset of a world that we live in. Where everybody's a victim now. You better not bring that mess into the church. Because Jesus does not respond to pity. But Jesus, you don't. You don't know how they wronged me. You really going to tell that to Jesus with all them nail prints and scars? You you don't know what they said about me. And Jesus is going to look at you and go, have you not read your Bible? Evidently not. They called me a whoremonger and a wine-bibber. They said I was Beelzebub. They said everything else. You see, we're living, we're living in a Christian world, a, 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 and I'm using that term loosely, a Christian generation, where we're only going to feel comfortable where we're not offended. And, and, and it is one of the most destructive paths you can go down. Well, until they understand my offense and they acknowledge, okay, I'll acknowledge this. We've all been offended. Some worse than others. Here's the thing we're not going to do. Write a book about it, publish it, and try to make it a New York Times bestseller. We're going to put it in the hands of God and say, either I'm going to get healed by getting to Jesus, or I'm going to let other people's issues keep me from him. This woman, when she got to that crown, listen to me, folks. Everybody, back in those days, everybody knew everybody. It was a tight-knit community in that city. Everybody knew who she was, and she knew that they knew who she was. And when she come up out of her house, and she put her little scarf over her head, and she, she could not hide the fact that that is who she was. She was a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. I imagine there, there were those people that recoiled. There were those people who turned and ran away from her because she was unclean. Amen. But she didn't let people's issues about her issues keep her away from God. I'm telling you, if you would stop caring what other people think about you, if you would stop fixating on what people think about you, if you would quit being obsessed with who follows you, befriends you, likes it, or comments on, if you would just get focused on Jesus, he can make all the difference in all the world. Because you've got to let your failure forget. She fights her way in. She presses her way in. She struggles her way in with every bit of strength that she has. And when she reaches out and she touches the border of his garment, when she reaches out and scholars believe it was was the tallit that Christ was wearing, it was the tassel upon the end of his prayer shawl that he was wearing. When she reached out and she attached that tassel and she reached out and she grabbed the border of that garment, all of a sudden Jesus froze. 
Jesus. And it didn't matter that he was being pulled by Jairus. All of a sudden, like an old mule at a new gate, he dug his heels in and he didn't move an inch forward. And he turned around and he said, who touched me? I find it amazing thousands of people were touching him and nobody would even admit it. People with their hands on him wouldn't even admit it. He stopped in midstream and said, who touched me? Everybody went. Isn't it amazing how many times we'll believe for a miracle, but when the miracle happens, we just. Isn't it amazing how many times we pray for something, and when God starts to do it, we just pull our hand back. God says, who did that? Well, we, we don't want to be singled out. We don't, we don't, we, because we're not certain what Jesus is going to do. I'm going to tell you, when you get desperate enough, you won't care. You get desperate enough for a miracle, you'd stand on your head in a mud puddle wearing clown shoes. It wouldn't matter to you. Amen. It doesn't matter how tough life gets. It doesn't matter how strong the opposition is. Amen. The opposition can be stronger than 10 acres of garlic. It won't matter to you because you know Jesus can work it out. You know Jesus can turn it around. You know Jesus can fix it. And when Jesus said, who touched me? Nobody lift their voice. Not even the woman initially. And then Jesus made this statement. He said, uh, and, and Luke would, Dr. Luke would write about this story in, in a little bit more detail because he said that when the woman touched the hem of the garment of Jesus, that immediately the issue of blood was staunched, which meant that it stopped, it, it withheld. Amen. That she, she wasn't healed at that moment. Luke, being a physician, he knew what he was talking about. He said that only the, the issue of the flow had stopped. See, see, too many times we come to church. See, too many times we come to church and we touch God and things feel good for the moment and we just walk out and go, ooh, wasn't that great? But two or three days later, that issue starts up again. Am, am, I, am I preaching the truth to you right now? How many know what I'm talking about? How many ever left a service thinking, my God, he worked it all out? And then two or three days later, you go, wait, what happened? What happened? You see, we, we don't ever make a full confession of faith. I said, we don't make a full confession of faith. We don't really want to tell people because we don't want to make God look bad. Right? We don't want, we, we don't want let, let, let's be for real. We don't want to look bad. I said, we don't want to look bad. We, we leave here at church and my God, my back's not hurting anymore. My head's not hurting anymore. Something, something has shifted. Something's changed. Then we go out and we just hold it. We're going to say, oh, I'm going to verify it before I give God the praise. Because God forbid I tell somebody God did it and then it, then it comes back. And then I've got to explain to them why God's a failure. No, God ain't never failed. And he ain't ever going to fail. The Bible said when this woman touched Jesus, Dr. Luke said the flow stopped. That was it. She reached out, her faith reached out and touched him. It caused the blood flow to stop. Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody's pulling their hands back. The disciples look at Jesus and say, man, he's been in the sun too long. I mean, somebody must have passed something to him. He's out of his mind. Thousands of people. He, they, they even looked at him and said, so everybody's touching you. What do you mean? 
He said, no, somebody touched me. For I felt virtue. Look at the word virtue. It means pure. He said, I felt purity flow out of me. When he said that, that little woman said, this must be my cue. I'm here because I'm impure. Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt purity flow out of me. And that little woman scared out of her mind because she knew she was breaking the law. Lifted her hand and said, I did it. I did it. And she testified and said, I have an issue. And when I touched your garment, all of a sudden I was healed. And Jesus looked at her and said, no, let me correct you, woman. He said, thy faith has made you whole. Now we know that Jesus did it, but Jesus put the emphasis not on his garment, not on the tallit, not on the tassel. He didn't put the issue on his body. He wanted to emphasize, if you've got faith, he can do anything. My God, I feel like shouting. I feel like shouting on a November Sunday morning. You want to know why? Because the issue is not whether Jesus can. The issue is not where on the garment you touch. The issue is do you believe when you're reaching out? He said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Thousands of people touched him and didn't get their healing. He was on his way to heal a girl. Amen. But he got so distracted when somebody with faith reached out and grabbed a hold of the border of his garment. Maybe Jesus this morning come to heal a migraine. Maybe Jesus this morning came to restore peace into somebody's life. Maybe Jesus is pressing through the crowd of this church right now because he's come to do something in somebody else's life. He intended to do it for somebody else. But I wonder if there's somebody with an issue that says, me and my impurity, me and my failures, we're gonna reach out and we're gonna get a hold of him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When failure forgets, you say forget protocol. When failure forgets, you forget about the rules. When failure forgets, you you don't care about what society says. You don't care about what family and friends say. When failure forgets, you press on through. When failure forgets, you break on through. When failure forgets, you say yes, God can. Yes, God will. Stand with me this morning. Oh, I feel faith in this place right now. Oh, how many times, how many times do we let our failure keep us from reaching Jesus? How many prayers have we stopped praying because we prayed it and it has not yet come to pass? 
But I'm preaching to somebody this morning who you walked in here with frustrated faith. You walked in here with aggravated faith. Saying, Lord, I have believed and I have believed. You don't, you don't even dare to ask God anymore. But I'm telling you, if you have but faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, be ye removed into yonder place, and it shall be done. Because God is looking for somebody with enough faith to cause their failure to forget. What do you believe in God for? What do you need from God this morning? What is it that you've been seeking God for? Because he can cause your failure to forget. All you got to do is press aside from the restriction. All you got to do is press through the times you prayed and it didn't happen. The times you believed and it didn't happen. And you've got to step out in faith this morning and say, uh-uh. No failure. I need you to sit down and shut up. Failure, I need you to just zip it right now. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about how God can't. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear you say that that promise is now past its expiration date. I don't want to hear you say that I've believed before and don't get your hopes up to be disappointed again. No, I'm pressing my way through and I'm bringing my issue to Jesus. I'm pressing my way through my fear. I'm pressing my way through my doubt. I'm pressing my way through my failure because I'm going to have so much faith this morning that my failure is going to forget. My failure is going to forget. So God didn't heal it last time, press in. So God didn't change it last time, press on in. So it didn't change last time, press on in. That's it, that's it, press in. Press in, press in. Come on, today's the day of a miracle. Today's the day of a breakthrough. You gotta press through with faith. I believe it'll be done today. I believe it'll be done today.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.